All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter number 13, Handelinger chapter 13, and we'll begin in verse number 1, Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, and today we're going to take a look at this Antiochian church. I'm going to preach a message to you by the grace of God called From Antioch to Africa, From Antioch to Africa. And uh, we're going to be discussing the topic of missions. I am simply prepping you for the week to come, right? I, I'm getting you ready. I'm not, I don't intend to cover the entire issue this morning. I'll let Brother Dominguez say more about that later. Acts chapter 13. And uh, before we even begin to read, would you bow your heads with me? And let's have a word of prayer. Father, we ask for your help, your blessing, your presence. Lord, please help us to focus now on what you want to teach us this morning. We do, but we want to be a missions-minded church. I, but I believe that it is your heart, Lord, for the New Testament Christian to take the gospel to the regions beyond. Lord, remind us today and throughout this week how important it is. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From Antioch to Africa. Now, in chapter 13, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. This Antiochian church is obviously not the first church in the New Testament, but it is often called the first missionary church in the New Testament. Uh, many people say it was the hub for worldwide missions. Now why say Antioch and not Jerusalem? Those of you that have read the Bible, read the New Testament, you know that the first church was started in Jerusalem and Jesus told the apostles that they would receive power after the Holy Ghost would come upon them and that they would be witnesses unto Jesus Christ starting in Jerusalem and then all Judea and then Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the earth so they knew the early church that is the the church in Jerusalem knew there was a need for missions that is to send the gospel to another place. They knew that. Why do we not say that Jerusalem was the first missionary church? Well, I don't think that that church in Jerusalem fully understood or appreciated the Great Commission. You folks know what I mean by Great Commission? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all nations and teach them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Uh, the church in Jerusalem knew that. But those of you, again, if you've read your Bible, you know that that church in Jerusalem, they thought the message was only for Jews. And in their minds, when Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature, they understood that to mean every Jewish creature. Now, how do we know this? Well, again, if you read the book of Acts, you find Peter having a vision, right? The Lord says, rise, Peter kill and eat. And Peter, as his typical form was, says, not so, Lord. I'm a good Jew and I will not have a ham sandwich. And the Lord had to say it three times, Peter, listen, what I've cleansed, don't call that unclean or common. What was the Lord trying to teach Peter? What was the Lord trying to show him? It's okay for you to preach to Gentiles. Well, that tells me that the church in Jerusalem, the early church in the book of Acts, did not fully understand what this missionary movement was. 
You know, I still think that there are some churches that haven't figured it out. There are some churches stuck in Jerusalem and think we'll minister to our people in our locality and that's fine, but they don't have a vision to take the gospel to the next region and the next and get to the uttermost part of the earth. Peter, of course, did figure it out. The Spirit of God led him to preach to Cornelius. The door to the Gentiles was opened. And as we go from Acts 10, 11, and 12, we, we see the church learning more about how powerful the gospel is. It can not only save a Jew, even a Gentile can get saved. Hey, listen, even you can get saved. That's what they started to figure out. It's not just a Jewish thing. The promise that God gave to Abraham, I am going to use you to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. No one fully appreciated what that meant until we get to this portion of the book of Acts and they say this is how every family on earth can get a blessing because Jesus Christ fulfilled those prophecies to Abraham. He was the promised seed and now everybody can get fixed. Everybody can be made right with God. Why, why do we need to get the gospel to every creature? Why is it so utterly important? Hearing the gospel not only saves your soul and fixes your eternity, but please hear this. When somebody receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, it reconciles them to God now so that they can have a relationship with God now. Now, now watch the domino effect. When things come right with God and you're able to fellowship with Him, you enter into a very honest relationship where He loves you so much He'll tell you the truth about you. And He loves you so much He'll be patient with you while you get your life sorted out, while He works through you. Once you learn what it feels like to be in a real relationship, you know what that'll do? You'll treat your wife different. Because now you know what it means to be loved and to be helped and to be comforted and to be nurtured. And then you'll treat your kids different. Then you'll treat your job different. If you think about what your life is made up of, it is a combination, a compilation of relationships. So once you fix the key relationship with God, all the other ones can come right. And once those things come right, listen, you, you fix a man's heart, then you can fix his home, then you can eventually fix enough homes you fix a city you fix enough cities you fix a nation you fix enough nations you fix the world why do we need a missions movement the gospel is of the utmost importance not just for eternity but for now it makes people what they need to be the church in Antioch they had the benefit of experience and revelation it's not that the Jerusalem church didn't want to preach to other people we know that eventually they did move out from their hometown. But you know how they did it? Through persecution. People came and started to haul them off to prison. And even Saul, he, he was guilty of putting some of those early Christians to death. And as a result of this, Christians ran from Jerusalem. The apostles stayed, but most of the Christians ran. And in so doing, they took the gospel to the next region. God help us <laughs> to learn from that and not have to go through the same thing. 
I think we can learn from the revelation and the experience of what the early church had. Let's go ahead and get the gospel to the next region. In verse 1, as we continue, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. We, we would say preachers and teachers, but it's the same thing. As Barnabas. Do, does everybody remember this, this man Barnabas from early on in the book of Acts in chapter 4? His nickname was the son of consolation. He was a Levite. He was from Jerusalem as best we could tell. Or at least that's where we find him first mentioned is in Jerusalem. Uh, he might have been from another area originally. But that was where he first came to know Christ. As Barnabas and Simeon, that was called, uh, you folks help me with the pronunciation of this country, Niger? Is that how you would pronounce that? It, it's a country in North Africa. Simeon, that was called Niger. And Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is also a city in northern Africa. If you look at Egypt on the map and then go a little west, you'll find Cyrene right on the, right on the coast. And Mannion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. We don't know where Mannion was from, but he was, he was living in a politician's house. He is in the city of Antioch, which was a, a major trade route. So there were merchants coming through there. That means he met and dealt with a lot of foreigners. He was exposed to a lot of different people groups. And then it says there was Saul. Saul was from Tarsus. That's a city up uh, even north of Antioch of Syria. It's up in, in what we now would call Turkey or Asia. The reason I'm pointing these things out, you have a lot of different places represented in verse 1. Barnabas would be familiar. He was originally from an island in the Mediterranean Sea. And then you have Cyrene, you have Niger, you have Africa represented. You have Mannion, who's been exposed to lots of different people. You have Saul from Tarsus. All of these people bring their life experience to the church. And you know what they could all testify to? All of us need help. All of us need help. I don't care if you're from Asia, if you're from Israel, if you're from Africa. It doesn't matter. All of us have been benefited through the preaching of the gospel. And our hometowns need to hear this message. This early church here in Antioch, they had a vision for how important the gospel was to get it to the regions beyond. My question to us this morning as a church, do we have a vision? My question to you as an individual, do you have a vision for the great need to take the gospel to someone else? Do you know that's why we're going to have a missions fair this coming Saturday? We're going to set up stalls. Armand, how many stalls do we have scheduled? Ten different nations represented. If you folks will come Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, you'll be able to visit ten nations without paying for a passport or a plane ticket. You'll be able to eat the food, the local food from those places. You'll, you'll see how they dress. You'll get familiar with their culture. You'll be able to see their language. The reason we want to expose you to all these different places is so that you get a sense of the need for the gospel to reach those people. I can remember the first time that it hit me. I, I knew about missions about three months after I got saved. I met my first missionary ever. It was Brother Mike Dobbins. 
He came and preached in our church. Before I ever went to Bible school, before I ever preached, I met Brother Dobbins. That was my first introduction to missions. So I knew about it, but it never really hit my heart how important it was until one day in Bible school, my first year of Bible school, every November we have a missions fair in, our, in the church that I'm from. And much like we do in that church there, they set up stalls, but we have about 40 so there's several different nations represented. Dr. Ruckman had been to India several times. He took, how many of you know what racquetball is? Okay, five of you maybe. You know what squash is? This is the faster version of squash, right? It's the more active version to squash. But he took a racquetball court and the whole thing was decorated for India. And I remember opening the door, because it's a, a closed room. I walked into the door, and it just so happened that I was the only one in the room. Now, usually there's 5, 10, 20 people at a stall looking at the same time. For this occasion, I was alone. And they, Dr. Ruckman had it set up so that you could go in and hit play. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about now, on a VCR. <laughs> How many of you remember VCRs? Okay, some of you've only heard of them or seen them in movies, but they're a real thing. You put the tape in, you hit play, right? So, so I went in, I sat down. The room was a bit, a bit dark, the lights were turned down, and I hit play. And I got to see about 1,500 Indian pastors gathered in a large hall. Dr. Uckman standing before them and teaching them and answering their Bible questions through an interpreter. And I remember staring at that video at those pastors with their Bibles open and so excited and flipping from page to page and nodding in agreement and getting excited about learning the Bible. And I sat on the bench and watched that for about 10, 15 minutes and just wept. And it was right then and there I said, God, this would be the greatest honor if you would let me take the gospel, take the Bible to another place. And it was because of that that I prayed about going to India for the next two years. It was because of that video. I got exposed to the need for the Word of God to go to the next place. The reason we have a missions conference in our church is to expose you to the need so that you can get involved somehow. I want to show you what happens in verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Several things I'd like to show you in that verse. As they ministered to the Lord. How, how were they, they, these leaders in the church, how were they ministering to the Lord? Well, I think the first thing, the knee-jerk answer here is to say they were teaching and preaching, they were evangelizing and discipling, and amen, I believe they were doing that. But it goes beyond that. Let me tell you how you can minister to the Lord. Remember this, this uh, passage where Jesus said he separates the sheep from the goats? And those on the right hand, he says, I was hungry, you gave me meat. 
I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. You remember that? And then those on the right hand say, when did we ever see you have those needs and give that to you? When did we minister to you? And Jesus said, as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. You know how we can minister to the Lord by looking around at the needs all around us. Who can I visit? Who can I encourage? Who can I feed? To whom can I bring a cup of cold water? Who's cold and sleeping without a blanket or enough clothing at night? That, that is why we have in our church the Be Warmed and Filled ministry, which by the way, thank you all of those that were involved this past Friday night for taking the gospel and those basic carnal necessities to people that need it. This church was involved locally. Do you see that? You can be a missions-minded church and still be helping your immediate community. So I don't want us to get the idea, well, we're sending the gospel abroad so we can ignore our hometown. We need to be busy doing what we can to minister right here in Pachastrua to our neighbors, to, to the strangers all around us, finding out how we can be a, a blessing. So the first thing I want to say about the Antiochian church, they were a helpful, a helpful church. And because this church had the attitude of helping other people, whatever that word help meant in that context, whatever we can do to help, we want to be that help. Because they took care of their local responsibilities, God blessed them with an even greater responsibility to take the gospel to the next place. Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So we need to be busy here at home so that God allows us the privilege to do something far off and abroad. The next thing I want to show you about this verse, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. They were a help, helpful church. Number two, they were a hungry church. So how do you know they're hungry? They're fasting. <laughs> they were, that was an obvious one, right? They were, they're fasting. They were a hungry church. Now, obviously, if you're fasting, you're not taking food, and there is physical hunger involved. I'm not suggesting that any of you go hungry. However, for a few of you, it wouldn't be a bad idea to skip a, <laughs> skip a meal. But that's another sermon. <laughs> when I say hungry, I'm not intending to deal with your physical issues today, but rather hungering after righteousness. When I say a hungry church, when people fast, biblically speaking, the reason they do so is because they're seeking the face of God. They are seeking knowledge. They are seeking wisdom. They're seeking guidance from the Lord. They want to know, God, what do you want me to do? This church was busy doing what they knew they could and at the same time saying, God, what else can we do? God, just show us the next step to take. We are anxious. We are excited. We are thrilled for the next opportunity. Maybe I could suggest this. Have you considered fasting at some point this week so that come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday you're ready for the Holy Spirit to say to you this is how you can be involved. 
It's wonderful to stay busy here in Pachasturum, in your home, ministering as you should, helping one another. That's outstanding. Let's not forget that there's more to be done. No one person can do it all. So every person takes that responsibility upon themselves to seek the face of God and hear from Him, what wilt thou have me to do? It says also in verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Well, I find that interesting. To be honest, I I don't know if I've ever noticed this at the end of verse 2. The Holy Spirit, the way it's worded there, he says, the work whereunto I have called them. Paul, at least Paul, here his name is still Saul, he already knew he was called to missions. Did you know that? Right after he got saved, Jesus told him that he would eventually be taking the gospel to the Gentiles. It took him about 14 years before the Lord actually let him go. But the Lord had told him, Saul, one day you're going to take, you're going to bear witness for me before kings, before the Gentiles, you're going to take the gospel somewhere else. He knew that he was called, he was waiting for the specifics. I want that to sink in for a moment. He knew I am going to be involved in missions. Now I just need God to tell me the particulars. Church, might I say, it's obvious it has already been revealed to us as a church that our function, one of our functions, is that we're to be involved in missions. We know that already. We don't need Jesus to come and reveal that to us again. Amen? We know that. Now, we just need to get the specifics. Now, we'll we'll stay busy doing what what we can locally until Jesus opens a door that no man can shut and then we go off and do what we need to do. So this church here, they, they knew eventually we're going to be sending out Saul. And now the Holy Spirit is giving them the details. Could you ask yourself, or maybe I, I can say it this way, set, set your mind to this, to this way of thinking. Lord, I'm going to be involved. I am going to do something about this missionary endeavor just show me how to get involved show me what it is exactly you want me to do about it please do not leech off of the church's efforts do you understand what I mean by that to say I sit in a church on Sundays that is involved in missions and therefore I've done my part well amen thank you for warming the chair you are excellent at that but, but what is it that you specifically could do? I want to show you something else about verse number 2. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Barnabas and Saul were two of the best members in that church. Right? I mean, these are two outstandingly well-grounded preachers and teachers of the Word of God. They are avid soul winners, tender-hearted, These are not the kind of church members you want to see leave your church. You'd rather keep them, yes. But this church was humble enough to realize it's not about us having a church filled with people. They realized that the purpose of the gospel was bigger than just filling seats. 
They didn't want to build a big church so that everybody else could see them and say, hey, wow, what a big church you have. So I'll say this, they were a helpful church. They were a hungry church seeking after more guidance from God. And they were a humble church. Because for them it wasn't about us as a church. It was about us as a vessel. How can the Lord work through us even if He has to take the best of us to send them somewhere else That's the goal. We want other people to know about Christ. I am not against filling seats, by the way. Please don't take take that wrong because next week, you know, nobody shows up and says, well, (laughs) Pastor Mike doesn't care if we're there or not. That's not it at all. I'm not against filling seats. Filling seats is not a bad thing until it becomes the most important thing. Let me say it again. Filling seats is not a bad thing until it becomes the most important thing. Because once that becomes the most important thing, compromise will set in. And we'll begin to pander to you and tell you whatever you want and entertain you so that you come and I'll leave something out of the message so that it's better received, you see? And that's not the goal. Yes, we want to fill the seats so that people can hear the truth and that God can affect their life. But that's not, that's not the end of it is just to fill the seat. We want to take it beyond that. In verse number 3, we find the next thing. It says, And when they had fasted and prayed, look at that, they didn't stop fasting and praying. They got a little light from God and they said, we'd like a little more please. It's the strangest thing. It's like that, that itch that you just can't scratch. Because once you hear from God, you want to hear again. Amen. And once you've spent some time in the presence of God, that's, that keeps you hungry and thirsty. You just can't get enough of it. God, you've shown me this. Oh, please show me the next thing. When they had fasted and prayed, so God, you've told us the who, you've told us the when, We're the ones that are going to send them out. You've given us direction. Now God, we're asking for mercy. We're asking for further wisdom. Just please provide, open the doors. And then in verse 3 it says, they laid their hands on them. They sent them away. This is an ordination. By the way, if I can remind you, Sunday night, we're going to ordain Brother Wenzel so that we can send them out not too long from now. What an outstanding time that'll be. But it says here that these leaders, they laid their hands on and sent them away. Now, when you lay hands on a man for an ordination, what you're doing is is passing on that authority. You're saying, we see the call of God in this person's life. And we recognize that this person has been called and enabled and they are going out under the authority of this church. However, it goes beyond that even. Because as leaders of the church, we represent you. So when the leaders of the church lay hands on an individual, indirectly the entire church is saying, we support these guys. We are behind these guys. We, we will be there for them. So we have a helpful church, a hungry church, a humble church, and and. A here for you church. (laughs) 
I would say a supportive church, but supportive doesn't start with an H. And I needed an H, so a, a here for you church. What can we do to be more like the Antiochian church? Whenever God allows us to be involved in another missionary's endeavors, we show them support. Not just sending them money and not just praying for them privately, which we should do, but actually making contact with them. Letting them know we are here for you. We're concerned about what you're going through. We, we, we think of you often. I know, and this surprised me greatly when I got to the mission field back in 2002, which seems like forever ago now. I wasn't prepared for this one single thing. Loneliness. I was so lonely. I had my family, thank God. But I knew no one else. It was so lonely. And it's surprising what, what, what it does, how it plays with your mind if you go six months without hearing from anybody outside of your home. It really does affect you. And not just me, right? My family as well. I mean, it's one thing for me. God called me to go to the mission field, but bless their hearts, God didn't call my children. That calling just kind of hit them by osmosis. <laughs> They're just going, I hope dad had it right. <laughs> it can get very lonely. And the loneliness will quickly lead to discouragement. And the discouragement will quickly, quickly lead to quitting. But if we could be a church that says, hey, we're here for you. We not only recognize that God has called you and equipped you and enabled you and He's opened the doors and off you go, but we are behind you. We are supporting you. Whatever it is that we can provide, we're here for you. I think we can do that. We can take the church of Antioch and bring it here to Africa. I see no reason why our church could not do all of the things that we've talked about so far. Let me show you something else here in verse number 4. It says, so they, being sent forth by the Antioch Bible Church. Is that what it says? <laughs> Who sent them? Well, humanly speaking, the church at Antioch. But Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he said this, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and off they go on their first missionary journey. Notice that Luke, who wrote this after the fact, he was able to step back and look at what had happened. said, yes, it was that church organizing their efforts, sending out a missionary, but it was the Holy Spirit working through them to do that. I don't know about you, I want to be involved in any work where the Holy Spirit is doing it. I want to be a part of that. I want to walk with the Spirit. I want to be around that. The Holy Ghost is working in that way. He's not limited to working just like this, but he is involved in this. So I want to be around this. Wouldn't it be wonderful 15, 20 years from now to look back at the history of our church and say it wasn't just Pastor Mike, it wasn't just Garrett teaching, it wasn't just Audemont with the students, it wasn't just this or that person. The Holy Spirit worked through that church. 
we, we can look back and see how the hand of God guided us and led us and, and we can see how He worked and moved. I'd love for us to be able to say that as a church. I'd like for you to be able to say that as an individual. To turn around after 20 years and, and look back and say, I can see how the Holy Spirit led me from this to that and to help here and to do that and to minister and to fast. And I can see the work of God in my life. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that one day? Luke says that about this church. He says this missionary endeavor was not just man-made. The Holy Spirit did that. I'd like to show you one more thing. Can you flip a couple pages? Get Acts chapter 14 and verse 26. I don't mean to leave anything out here, obviously, but for the rest of Acts 13, you read about Paul's first missionary journey, and it goes on through Acts 14. And it was a rough trip, right? I mean, Paul got stoned to death. Not, not like stoned, like left-handed cigarette, <laughs> but like thrown, rocks thrown at him and, and, and died. It was a rough go. It was a rough go. But after he had seen, I want to say hundreds, but I think thousands would be a better number. But a great multitude of people saved. Churches started. Elders, leaders for the churches ordained. He got to see all of that. And I'm not sure exactly how long he was gone, but he was away from Antioch for a while. And now he's coming back. He's coming back bloodied and bruised, broken. You get, you get a bunch of rocks thrown at you, it breaks bones. It disfigures you. Paul came back bearing in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. That's Paul's words. And in verse number 26, this is the end of his first missionary journey. Verse 26 says, And thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how He had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. I'd like to just make one very obvious observation about this passage. When those missionaries got done with their first journey, they came back to Antioch and the church was still there. Now I know that might seem very obvious, but this church was not only still there, they were still excited about missions. Because when the missionaries got back and heard all that God had done, this church rejoiced. This church is excited to see, hey, all of our efforts were worth it. All of our prayers, all, all of the support we gave, look at how it's paid off. Paul got to start all these churches. Thousands of souls got reached a difference has been made and, and we may not have physically been there, but we were part of it. If we're going to send out missionaries, if we're going to be involved supporting missionaries all over the world, then it means we also have to be careful to maintain a healthy church in Pachastrum. One that, one that does a little maintenance yearly to check our hearts with a missions conference to say, 
Lord is our focus where it needs to be. Not to ignore our responsibilities here, but to remind us there's a lot of places and a lot of people that still need to hear the gospel. We can't just keep this to ourselves. We can take what Antioch had, bring it here to Africa, and then take it to the next place. We can be this Antiochian church. If I can't ask you, let's all stand, please. Let's all stand. Have your heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And, and I want to I leave you with one thought. Okay? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'd like you to really concentrate on this. What should the missionary do? That's a, that's a good question. But here's another good question. What should the local church do? Let me give you your options. Go away, stay, pray, or pay. There's your options. Go away, stay, pray, or pay. God, how do you want me to be involved? You want me to go to the foreign country? I'm willing. Lord, you want me to stay here? I'm willing. Lord, help me to pray for them. Lord, if you want me to stay here, work my job, please bless it, Lord, so that I can financially support the work of missions. Go away. Stay. Pray pay now ask the Lord where do I fit in in that where do I fit in that should be the question of our hearts for the next week Lord how, how do I as an individual fit into this Antiochian church what worked in Antioch will work in Africa. There's no reason we can't do everything that we read about. Today we've talked much about the work of missions. I haven't said a lot about how somebody can get saved so I just want to extend that invitation that if you're here and you've never been born again would you please find you can find me you can you can find Garrett you can find somebody in this church after the service we'd love to explain to you how you can be born again We'll do it privately. We won't embarrass you. We want to help you. We want to help you. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son and you said that when we pray, we should do so in His name and that we should be seeking the glory of the Father. And Lord, I, I know of no greater way to do that than to be involved in mission work. Show us as a church, Lord, what's our next step. Lord, we take the trips. 
We have the conference. You've allowed us the privilege of preparing people to go out. Show us what else we can do, Lord. Show us how you want, to, want us to be involved. And each individual, Lord, speak to their heart. Oh God, this week might they hear the Holy Ghost speaking to them. Please, Lord, speak to us. Father, I want to thank you for the great privilege that it has been to be a missionary. I'm so thankful for this, Lord. Father, please help us to make that Antiochian church a reality here in Africa. Help us to stay hungry to hear from you. And Lord, with that being said, we ask that you bring us back tonight. We'd like to hear more, God. Please continue to speak to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.